0: And or we put up with him. I'm not really sure what it is. But uh, anyhow, uh, he was the first person, the first preacher that I called in uh, to preach here at Calvary after I was a pastor. And uh, he's been coming for 12 years. This is his 12 year anniversary of preaching Harvest Jubilee. And uh, we do appreciate this preacher, and uh, as I told you, he I will tell you exactly like I told you yesterday, even with EJ sitting over there with his smart aleck remarks, Jonathan is my favorite preacher, all right? And uh, I do appreciate him, but J- EJ moved up on the list, and uh, I mean, he did. He moved up on the list. He's somewhere around 30 or 40 right now, but he moved... <laughs> He did a great job. Didn't, didn't he do a good job yesterday? And uh, man, what a tremendous job he did yesterday. And I appreciate Brother EJ and his family being with us. But Brother Jonathan, you come and bring us the message that God has laid on your heart for the evening. Thank you,
1: preacher. My well, if you love Jesus, say amen. amen. It's my joy to be here tonight. And uh, thankful for twelve years of y'all putting up with me, there 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 is no question about which way it is, and I'm thankful for that. Brother Robbie said that EJ was around thirty or forty. EJ said he doesn't even know that many preachers, and I didn't want to tell him you're just saving some spots because something better probably going to come along. That's all I mean, just keeping them open. That's rough, man. It's rough. That's rough. It is my joy to be here, and I praise the Lord for what God's doing here and for what I have seen the Lord doing here and for the souls that have been saved. Aren't you glad to go to church somewhere where people can find Him? A lot of churches are interested in you joining up with them, but we have a greater mission, and that's to join people up with Him. I'm afraid a lot of churches have had people join them that's never really joined with Him. And I praise the Lord for the salvations and what God's doing. And uh, thank you again for letting me be here with you for just a few days. I have a series on Calvary that I've been preaching since about uh, the end of the summer. And uh, I had every intention of preaching that here tonight, tomorrow, and Wednesday. Coming down the road, the Lord working on my heart, and I even got that series out, and I put it in my Bible to begin it tonight, but the Lord will not leave me alone about this text, and so I want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. If you would, get your Bible and go with me to the book of Matthew, and I want you to find Matthew chapter 26. And when you find Matthew 26, I'll ask you to stand if you're able. If you're not, that's fine. But if you'd like to, stand with us. And I'm going to read just one verse. And then I have three verses that will support the verse that is where my heart is tonight. If you're in Matthew chapter 26, let me hear you say amen. Amen. I want you to look at verse number 30. The Bible says, and when they had sung an hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. When they had sung an hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Look at verse number 39. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Verse number 42. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. Verse number 44. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same word. Father, I want to thank You tonight for Your precious Word. Thank You for these people that have gathered here around Your Word. They have gathered here in hopes of hearing from heaven. And I pray tonight that Your Spirit would honor the Scripture. I pray, Lord, that You would empty me of me, that You would fill me to overflowing. God, pour us out for Your honor and glory. I pray that Your people would get help There's somebody here that's not saved. I pray that you would draw them to salvation. God, do a work that only you can do. And I'll thank you for that and I'll praise you for that in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, you can be seated. The Bible says that in route to Calvary, that Jesus leaves that supper and he goes very intentionally to the Mount of Olives to pray. How many of you believe that the earth belongs to the Lord and the fullness thereof? He owns it all. Uh, No trespassing signs are to Him like they are some of you. They don't mean nothing at all. He He just goes where He wants. He does. He owns it all. But yet with great purpose and with divine direction. He leads the disciples out of that supper and down to the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is as it would sound. It was a place that was used for the cultivation of olive trees. It is a place that was regionally known for vineyards and for the trees that would, orchards I should say, that would produce olives in mass. If You've ever been to that part of the world? And even in many parts of uh, Eastern Europe, you are familiar with the small scrubby olive trees that grow there. The crop is massive and this was an area that was known for the olive trees that grew and prospered there. Jesus could have went anywhere to pray, but He went to the Mount of Olives. When He comes to the Mount of Olives, He leads them more specifically on the mountain where these orchards are and where these olive trees are and he leads them even more specifically to a location on the Mount of Olives that is known as Gethsemane. Gethsemane was a place where the olives that were harvested were brought and it is there that they were refined and the oil was removed from the olives. Jesus takes them to that place. To a place where harvested olives are refined for the value that is in them. It is interesting to me that in the refining process of the olive, there are only three steps... I'll tell you what they are and then we'll look at them together. The olives are crushed. The olives are pressed. And then the olive oil and water is separated. There's only three steps. The olives are crushed, they are pressed, and they are separated. Three steps in that process. Does anybody else think that it is unusual that on the Mount of Olives, hallelujah, At the place of the refining process, Jesus prays not once, not twice, but three times in the place of refinement. Believe that there is an example to us in this text that God wants to harvest our lives and He wants to remove from us that which is valuable And in the process, discarding that which is natural, that which is visible, that which is tangible and touchable, and that which is carnal, I'm trying to say it like this. God wants to get something out of us that cannot be removed any other way. The olives, when they are harvested, first of all, they are crushed. There was two types of instruments they would use and both of them involved a grindstone. The grindstone or a millstone was a round stone with channels cut into it. You may have seen them. They're still common in our day in some places. The olives were placed on that millstone or that grindstone and there were two ways that they would be crushed. One was a heavy stone that would be pushed around on top of them. The second was a heavy stone that would be pushed back and forth over them. But the process yielded the same result. It was a pounding and a crushing of those olives. I know that some people preach the gospel and they tell you that if you'll come to Christ that everything's going to be perfect. That if you'll come to Jesus, your life will only be wonderful from here on out. I'll just give you my testimony. When I got saved, the washing machine quit working, the car broke down, the cat got rabies, and the kids acted crazy. Come on, somebody. I don't know that there's a promise in this Bible that salvation brings about a life free of difficulty. As a matter of fact, I have learned through the Scripture that when God begins to work in my life, He begins by crushing me and breaking down what I think is so important. There is a crushing process. How many of you have lived long enough to know that life will crush you? God will allow things to come into our experience that are crushing blows to us. And they seem to break everything. They seem to destroy everything. Seems like everything's falling apart. Life, through the permission of God, will deal some crushing blows. I promise you. It may be a sickness that crushes you. It may be a broken promise by someone you love that crushes you. It may be the betrayal of a friend that you thought would always be faithful. You find yourself crushed. It may come through the lives of your children. Brother Brandon, Miss Holly, friends of ours, just recently had a baby over the weekend. I saw Brandon and he said, you know, he said, "Uh, I've cried twice a day since that baby was born. I said, well, that's par for the course because you're going to cry twice a day for the rest of their life. And it might do you good to make him cry twice a day along the journey as well. How many of you know that our children have a way of crushing us like other things seem to not have that same ability? And I don't know what instrument God may use in your life, but I do know that there will come times of crushing when things fall on us that are too heavy for us to bear. Things that are too much for us to deal with. Things that are beyond our strength to carry. And the olive is crushed. When the olive is crushed, the oil runs through those grooves and is collected in a basin. And you would think that the refiner would be satisfied with what has happened. But he will take those crushed olives and gather them with his hand. Hallelujah. I may just shout right here. No matter how crushed we are, his hand knows how to find us. Glory to God. No matter how crushed we feel, His hand knows how to gather us and pick us up. The refiner will gather those olives and He'll scoop them up and He'll now place them inside of a basket. And that basket will be placed upon the millstone again with the crushed olives inside. The skins, the hulls are broken They're gathered and they're placed in that basket. It is put back on the grindstone. And now a new device is attached to the top of that grindstone. And what was once a place of crushing now becomes a place of pressing. Even in Bible times, the press, which is the second step of refinement, the press... Was a large stone that was mounted on a corkscrew-type device. It was attached to the middle of that grindstone, and now, those olives that have been crushed, they now are pressed. How many of you have been around and seen enough to know that you ought to never say? Well, it can't get any worse. all them people laughing beside you, they know what the preacher's talking about. Don't ever say it can't get any worse because here's your happy little proverb of the day, it can. I promise you, when you are crushed to the point that you feel like God could do nothing more, that life could do nothing greater, that there's no more heavier burden you could bear. He will take you out of the crushing process and He will put you in the press. That stone was twisted down upon that corkscrew until now it is not falling and crushing, but now it is grinding. Now those holes in that skin that looked like they had given all they had to give, now that press becomes tighter and tighter until it absolutely removes every bit of liquid from the olive. The Apostle Paul knew about that, didn't he? What did he say about the press? He said, we are pressed beyond measure. Y'all want the South Georgia cotton patch translation? This is ridiculous. That's what Paul was trying to say. It's just stupid. I mean, there ain't no reason for all this. That was enough the way it was, and now this. Anybody ever had a moment where you thought it was over, but God was really just moving you from the crushing to the pressing. Those olives are put in that vice. And it tightens down tighter and tighter and tighter. And with every revolution of that stone, the press removes more and more of the oil inside of that olive crushed, pressed. There is a third step to this refining process. The third step is all of that oil that has run through those little grooves. It is collected in a basin. And Brother Robbie, something very unusual happens now. The oil and all of the liquid that has been crushed and pressed and removed, it is placed inside a vessel. And over the next several days, a process of separation will take place. You see, hallelujah, there is water and oil in those olives. The water has no great value, but the oil is where the treasure is at. The oil is where the value is. The oil is what the refiner was after. If he just wanted the liquid, he could have squeezed it with his hand and that been sufficient. But he was not looking for the water. He was looking for the olive oil. Now in that separation process, watch. The water and the oil over time will begin to separate. It speaks to me of two things that is removed from our lives in the crushing and the pressing of life, there is the natural, that's that water. And then there is the supernatural, that is that oil. Let me say something to you. When life crushes us, when life presses us, how many of you know that we will have natural reactions to the crushing and the pressing? You know, even in this text, if you was to read it, I think it's in Matthew. In this very text, Jesus, He began to sweat until there were great drops of blood. Y'all remember that? He began to sweat and out of His pores came sweat and blood. Well, listen to me. In that process, there was the natural and there was the supernatural. I'm not saved by the sweat of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it again. I'm not saved by the sweat of Christ. I'm saved by the blood of Christ. His sweat did not pay for my sin. His blood is where the value was. But yet in the crushing and the pressing, the natural and the supernatural are both removed together. How many of you know that everybody that cries is not having a spiritual experience. I'm sorry if that offended you, but let me say it again, because if I've offended you, I want to do it real good, okay? So tune, tune in. Everybody that sheds a tear on these altars is not having a spiritual experience. I know people that can cry at the drop of a hat. Be afraid of those people, by the way. Be very afraid of those people. But I know people that can shed tears and turn it on and turn it off just like a faucet. Emotions are not necessarily a supernatural transaction. I promise you, you can go out there and close your thumb up in the car door and you'll have an emotional experience, but it doesn't mean it's a spiritual endeavor. Now, you may need to get right with God afterwards, but it wasn't one moving you up. It was an experience moving you down. So we can have emotional experiences that have nothing to do with a spiritual encounter. And everybody that sheds a tear does not necessarily mean that they're having a moment with God. But I will say this if God crushes you, presses you, and breaks you. It is often, not always, but it is often that our supernatural experiences are accompanied with natural experiences. Tears are not necessarily proof that you're having an encounter with God. But they're often present when we do have an encounter with God. Emotions are not a bad thing. God built us with emotions. But your emotions can respond to football. They can respond to a movie. They can respond to a conversation. Your emotions are not a solid proof that you've had a spiritual encounter. But when you do have a spiritual encounter, they often accompany that and sometimes the two run together. But listen to me. God wants to separate your natural And you're supernatural. And He wants to remove from you that which has the greatest value. So let me say it like this God's not after your tears, He's after your heart. Now, your heart may come with some tears, and that's good. But He's not just trying to make you cry, He's trying to get the oil out of you. Y'all hearing me tonight? He's not just trying to bring you through some emotional valley. He's not just trying to get you sad and get you happy and get you stirred up and get you fired up and get you pumped up. He's trying to get some oil out of you. And that natural and that supernatural that come together through the crushing and the pressing, over time it'll be separated. And the value is not in the natural. The value is in the supernatural when that oil has separated it is then that that which the refiner was after has been removed it has been processed and now it is usable for his desire I will not preach tonight for time's sake on what the oil is used for I simply want you to see that the value of the olive can only be abstracted through crushing, through pressing, and through the separation of that which is natural and that which is supernatural. Let me just say something before I move on. How many of you have either yourself or seen others weep tears that did not change one thing? I'll go on and testify I have wept, and my tears did not change my actions. I have wept. And the next day I was as mad as I was the day before. And I want you to see that. God is not just after the water in your olive. He is after that deep oil where the value is, the spiritual nature of your life, the crushing of surrender, the pressing of obedience. When we are broken completely down and beyond our emotions and beyond our tears and beyond our sighs and beyond our joy, God wants that which is eternal in us. He wants that worship that goes beyond emotion. He wants that praise that goes beyond how we're feeling. He wants that faith that goes beyond what we can see. And it is in the crushing, the pressing, and in the separation that the eternal value of our walk with Him is expressed. I'll tell you one story. And I will have been obedient to the Holy Ghost tonight. Fifty-three days ago, I stopped in South Tennessee to see my mother and father. My dad was having some difficulties with his mind and with his health. My mother asked me to come and do some things and check on him. And when I did, I realized how bad of shape he was in. I did what she asked and the next week I was in a revival and I drove two and a half hours back to their little cabin in the hills and I took my dad to the emergency room. They would not keep him and I next day I drove back up and I took him to another emergency room and my 78-year-old father, a pastor of 56 years, sat in the emergency room for 18 hours in a waiting room in a wheelchair we finally got him into the emergency room there he sat for another five days we finally got him into a room in the hospital and then the process began of working on everything that was wrong I was able in that time to spend the night with him and care for him and sleep Alongside of him in that hospital bed, beside it, in the chair that laid out beside it. My brothers were able to come and stay and my sisters. And For ten days in that hospital, I lay beside my father and cared for him. We took him back home to his little house in the woods. It's where my mother wanted him. And he lay in that hospice bed on the front of that little cabin and I watched God allow him to transition out of this world into his heavenly home. I set my alarm every hour and a half to get up and give him his medicine to keep the pain from being unbearable. I watched my mother this Sunday will be their 57th anniversary and I watched my mother love and care and pour into him in those days. Saturday a week ago was laying in that bed, no struggle, no fighting for breath no visible signs of pain he took one breath here and he took the next one over there one moment he was laying in that bed, the captive of a broken down body. But thank God, within a second's notice, he was standing on a street of gold in heaven. When we knew that he had passed, my mother came in and we checked and made certain that he had gone from here to heaven. She began to weep. She began to cry. The first words out of her mouth, she said these words He's looking at Jesus right now. (laughs) Then she began to weep even more. She said, Do you know why I'm crying? She said, I'm crying because He's looking at Jesus. Right now. It was several hours before they were able to come and get his body and take it to the funeral home. And When they came to get him and we moved him to the gurney that they would take him out on, they asked if she'd like to see him again. She walked in, put her hands on his face. And I quote, She said, I have a great desire to see Christ. Now I'll not only see Christ, I'll see Him and Jesus. We rejoiced as they carried out the love of her life for now 60 years. We rejoiced. Saturday we laid Him in the grave. And buried that old corruptible seed. Planted that resurrection seed. And I watched my mother worship. And I watched her rejoice. And I watched her sit in the bathing presence of the peace of God. With grace that is far more than sufficient. (laughs) And peace that is beyond explanation. And I was driving back home Saturday evening. And I thought to myself, Brother Robbie, how can you be that crushed, that pressed, and still give God glory? Here's the answer, because God's not crushing or pressing you to hurt you. (laughs) He's crushing you and He's pressing you. Because there's some eternal value inside of you that cannot be abstracted any other way. I don't know what's fell heavy on you. And I don't know what's been tightened down so far that you feel like it's ridiculous. But I do know this. If you're saved, there's something supernatural that God is pulling out of you Beyond the tears, beyond the sorrow, beyond the natural human emotion, there is a faith, there is a worship, there is a joy, there is something eternal in you that Christ is pulling out of you. And that's where the value is. I want them to come to the instruments and get ready for invitation. While they're coming, I want you to stand and I want every head bowed and every eye closed. As we stand, nobody's looking around. Can I ask you a question? Look on your own heart, please. I wonder who would say, preacher, I've had some crushing blows in my life lately. Some things that were too much, too heavy. And preacher, I felt the crushing weight of the refiner can I see your hand can I see it all over this building I see them you can put them down I wonder who would say preacher I've been pressed beyond measure I was broken already and it got worse I was broken already and he leaned on me even more See, the crazy thing about life is you can get sick and lose your marriage. You can deal with addiction and watch your children mess up. It's not just one thing. Life has a way of crushing and pressing. I wanted to say, preacher, I felt that pressing beyond measure. I felt that squeeze. I felt that pressing. Let me see here. Here's what I want to do tonight. (laughs) Oh, glory to God. I want us to come, let's turn this altar into a grindstone. Let's turn this altar into a millstone. Let's let the natural and the supernatural flow. Let the tears and the faith, let the sorrow and the joy, let the worship and the pain flow tonight. And let God separate them in His own divine way. And make God get value from us. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Many are coming. That's it. More moving. Jesus was crushed if Jesus was pressed (laughs) and if Jesus was poured out how much more do you and I need to go through the process of refining for the best part of us to be separated from the worst of who we are praise the Lord
0: your heads with us if you hadn't already. You pray at your seats if you don't want to come down. Give these folks a moment around the altar. I found in life, not only after salvation were things not a okay or peaches and cream, I found out throughout life when I was lost and when I was saved, there was troubles. I'm thankful that I'm on this side of it. I'm thankful that I now have a heavenly Father who careth for me, who loves me. He'll not leave me. He'll not forsake me. He's present, even when oftentimes we don't feel that way. I wonder if you'd be honest with me tonight. As we bring this service to a close, my question is we all go through troubles. Are you going through them with Him? Are you saved tonight? If tonight was your last night on earth, are you ready to meet God? If you died, would you be in His presence in heaven? Or would you say, Preacher, I'm not sure. Is anybody in here tonight say, Preacher, I'm just not sure. Pray for me, I don't know where I'd spend eternity if I was to die. I'm looking across the building. Just raise your hand. Preacher, I don't know. Is there anybody like that? All right, our Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Lord, I thank you for the message. I thank you for an obedient servant. It's easy to walk into a revival, walk into a church and want to impress and want to, Lord, just wow. And God, is so difficult when you walk in with a plan and then wrestle because the Holy Spirit is leading you in a different direction. I'm thankful for his obedience. I'm thankful for the message, Lord, that you brought to us tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd use it. Lord, may it draw us closer to you. God, though we may not see the value of the crushing or the value of the press, God, I pray. Lord, we'll be look back and see. Lord, you moving supernaturally in our lives. God will give you all the honor, glory, and praise for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.